0: listening to Focus on the Bible. The world had become a wicked place. The Bible says that men's hearts were full of evil all the time and so then came the great worldwide flood of Noah. It was a slow go to build that big boat and people had plenty of time to listen to Noah's preaching and his warnings about the disaster that was going to strike but still When it came time to load up the boat, there was only Noah and his family. After that awful flood which showed the mercy of God, you see, it was mercy because if God didn't intervene, the world and all those wicked hearts that were full of evil all the time were just going to be headed towards an unstoppable place of evil and the world would be overcome and no coming back at all. And so God, in effect plunged the whole world underwater until it said uncle it was a way to reel it back in and to give it a brand new start and so off that boat went three sons of noah there was Shem, ham and japheth and all people of the world today could trace their lineage if they could all the way back to one of those three sons and today i want to look at one of those sons in genesis and chapter 10 genesis and chapter 10 Here's that son of Noah called Ham, and he had children. The Bible says it like this, and Cush begat Nimrod. So Ham had a son among other sons named Cush, and Cush got busy bearing children, and he had a son named Nimrod, and Nimrod brought trouble into the world. Verse 9 and 10 give a description of him that, You might not really get that he's a troublemaker until you take a good heavy look at the language and what this means against the backdrop that the Bible spells out for us. But watch this, Hebrews verse number 10 and verse 9. Nimrod, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. So the description is that Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That sounds pretty innocent, but in the language here, the idea is that he was a hunter in the face of God. He was a hunter who would thwart the purposes of God. He was a hunter who sort of sought equality with God. He thought he was someone to be compared with God. And even the secular historians write a lot about Nimrod he was a large man, they said, and a very powerful man, and he became a king in that area, and this first city was called Babel. Now, you probably know a little of Babel, but that's the beginning of this civilization called the Babylonian kingdom, and it's all happening in a land called Shinar. But in those days, they began something in that land of Shinar that's going to be a plague to the whole world for centuries, including today. And one day, God is going to judge that plague to death. Let's talk about this. In Genesis chapter 11, the Bible spells out the backdrop of this time in the world. The Bible says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name." lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And so there's the beginning of the plan for what we know as the Tower of Babel. What was it? Well, man was all together. They had one language. They were gathered in uh, this place of one speech, and they hatched an idea for themselves. You see, God had wanted there to be nations, individual nations. But man said, no, no, let's not be divided. Let's be together. Let's unify ourselves and make a tower up to heaven. And note this sentence that says, Let us make us a name. They wanted their own name. They did not honor God's name. They didn't want the Lord. They had rejected Him. And in the void created by the absence of God in this culture and in their evil hearts, now they get an idea. To unify, to build a tower to heaven, they said, to glorify ourselves. You see, what they're trying to do is build a tower that's too tall for even God to flood. And so these people apparently did not learn one thing by the mercy shown by God to give a restart after that horrid flood of Noah in Genesis chapter 6. In this place, they build this tower, and obviously God was not pleased with that. Verse 5 says this, "The The Lord came down to see the city and the tower. With the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So we're right back where we started before the flood. Man has become so evil, and there's no restraint to him. There's no way to get back to God if this is allowed to continue. And so the Bible says, verse 8, The Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore it is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And so man from that building project at the Tower of Babel is scattered, The tower is shut down that was to glorify man. But man goes off with the same old mindset. They didn't learn a thing about this. And in that area then, though people were scattered all over the earth, some are in that area or maybe they regathered there with the same old mindset. And they have embraced what we call today humanism. Humanism is the idea that God has no place here, therefore, man must glorify himself. And when man reaches that place that he's meant to glorify himself, give him time and opportunity, and he'll create his own gods. He'll create his own varied gods of his own making, of his own pleasure, because he's disallowed the true God, his maker. Evidence of false gods in that kingdom of babylonia showed that they at different times worshiped over four thousand false gods in their search and in their journey to create something that would give them satisfaction they worshiped over four thousand gods of their own making and then came Nebuchadnezzar, who brought that kingdom of Babylon to its greatest height. And we get a lot said about that kingdom and Nebuchadnezzar. As great as it was in the earth, and Nebuchadnezzar thought that he could never be beaten. But God announced to him, your kingdom is going to fall. And it did. The Persians came marching and the kingdom went down. But the plague of humanism is still in the world today. The foundations of that Tower of Babel, the idea that man should glorify himself, is still today the ghost that haunts the nations of planet Earth who've rejected God and create their own kinds of God. Way over in the back of the Bible now, we find this kingdom Babylon all over again. I'm going to Revelation chapter 17 here. So it begins in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And it ends way in the very back of the Bible, Revelation 17, when an angel speaks for God. This during what we call the tribulation period in the world. What is that? Well, right now we're on schedule for the rapture of the church. The church is going to be removed at the appearing of Jesus Christ in the clouds. At that point, every believer in Jesus Christ is going to be raised, the living and the dead. And they will be delivered from the judgment that's to come in the world. When that judgment falls, the world is entered into a place called the tribulation. It's a seven-year period of awful judgment from God. And it ends in a -a three-and-a-half-year period that we call the great tribulation. And as God pours out His doom... On the rebellion of man, I want you to see what the Bible says here in Revelation 17, verses 1 through 4. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit unto the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication." So the Bible lays it out here that all the way through man's history from Nimrod all the way into the great tribulation, humanism haunts mankind and man is bent to disallow God a place and so he creates his own God. But in the end of it all, God is going to drop judgment and John says that God showed him a picture of a woman who rides a beast hermeneutics is what we call the study of bible interpretation the golden rule of how to study the bible says that we always take the bible literally and not figuratively unless there's a very good reason to take the bible figuratively so we honor the golden rule of hermeneutics and we take the bible literally But here in this place, there's good reason in the context to take it figuratively when it talks about this woman. Verse 5 says, and upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. If you have a King James Bible and you read Revelation 17 verse 5, that quote from that angel is in bold capitalized letters you don't see very many verses like revelation 17 5 the idea is that this angel is identifying this woman as babylon so we have reason to think this is not a real woman not a real woman it's a city in fact verse number 18 says and the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth And so Babylon, the city, fell way back in the Old Testament under King Nebuchadnezzar. But it's alive and well in the book of Revelation. The ghost of humanism haunts all ages of humankind until God will judge it to death in that day. Revelation chapter 18 now. The Bible says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory." So the kings of the earth have sought counsel with that woman, that great city Babylon. The spirit of humanism has embedded itself in the governments of the world. And the people of the world have drunk from the cup of the fornication of that spirit of humanism. Until this time in the great tribulation, God will judge it to death and bring it to a halt. Friend, this world is headed to judgment. And I so thank God for the rapture of the church that's going to take every believer in Jesus Christ away before judgment falls on Babylon the Great. Do you have certainty today, friend, that you'll be in heaven with God when the judgment falls? If not, let me tell you, the best news in the whole world is that Jesus Christ loves you today. He knows about your sin. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He died on a cross for your sin. He rose from the dead to prove it. And he calls all people everywhere to change their mind and put their faith in him. If you do, it would be everlasting life for you. Thanks for joining us for Focus on the Bible. For questions or comments about this episode or another biblical topic, you can mail us at Focus Ministries, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia 30633. For more information about our ministry, you can visit our website, www.FreddieCoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. This is Focus on the Bible.